ready to get and stay fit? Welcome to Fit, Positive, Confident with Dr. Gordon, where the focus is on your whole person health, physical, mental, and spiritual. Because your health can be affected by so many factors, Dr. G covers a range of topics in this program, from eating healthy to world-shaping events. So relax and enjoy the show. All right, folks, uh, welcome to the show. This is Gordon and this fit, positive, confident. I think we're going to be talking about uh, that confident part today. Confidence. I like it. You like it. Kyle is in the studio. Kyle Galloway, our martial arts expert. And by the time we are done here, we're going to teach you how to kick somebody's butt. That's right. All through the radio. All through the radio. <laughs> it would be cool if you tried to teach somebody over the radio, uh, too. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm dabbling in different ways to teach people, but I don't know if audi- <laughs> auditory learning of martial arts is uh, is uh, is a right modality for... <laughs> you would have to break it down in uh, exquisite details, how to right? do a flying kick to somebody's head, you know? You know, I, I talk a lot... And I'm not sure that I have the confidence to be able to meticulously break it down in that way. (laughs) (laughs) Some things you just have to show, right? It's true, man. Sometimes you just got to see it. So, you know. (laughs) But uh, but confidence. I I love talking about confidence and how to get it, how to build it, how to grow it. I like the statement you just made before we start recording. Not my monkeys, not my circus. That's right. <laughs> it's actually one of my uh, really good friends. He also owns a martial arts school here in Colorado. Um, I met him probably when I was eight years old. He and I trained together all the way up through like first degree, second degree, and beyond. Known him for years, but that's one of his favorite sayings is, not my monkeys, not my circus. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it can refer, it can apply to a lot of different situations. Yeah, you know, it's... Um, that uh, that idea that, you know, the way I always look at that statement is, you know, I can be there to help. I can be there to give advice. I can be there to, you know, help people lay out a pathway forwards in their success, whether that be, um, you know, whether that be martial arts or health and fitness or whatever. But uh, ultimately, it's it's not my path to walk. You know, it's not my it's not my job to make sure that that person walks that path, that they do what I told them to or help them laid out, that it's not a personal failure on my point if they don't make it, you know. Um, and I meet so many people in today's world that, that do that, that, you know, kind of become so invested with another human being and what they do in their life that uh, when they... <laughs> When, when they stumble or they fall or they completely jump off the path that, you know, that other person takes it as such a personal deep hurt that uh, that the other didn't do it. And that's just a, a recipe for frustration. So well, we, we have empathy, you know, human beings. Yeah. And we see somebody, you know, you see a bomb on the side of the street, you know, sitting on a sidewalk, you know, and drinking that beer and looking like crap, you know, and your natural instinct is, you know, how do I help this person, you know? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. You can, you know, give them a few bucks, buy them a meal, this or that, you know, but uh, even help, you know, there are people who that can 
take a homeless person off of the streets and put them into a program and put them into a housing and this and that. But in the end, everybody has to make their own decision or where they're like. I mean, in the end, I believe everybody's doing what they want to be doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, there's... um. We talk about this a lot in the martial art world, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, within the the self-help kind of industry, uh, they use this story a lot as well. And the idea of it is when a caterpillar uh, becomes a butterfly and goes through that metamorphosis, so, you know, they cocoon up and... And I mean, that, that whole process is such an amazing biological process. It's, it's just absolutely wild that the caterpillar completely liquefies and then reforms into uh, a butterfly, which is just amazing. But when it finally finishes that transformation and starts to push its way out of the cocoon, uh, it really, if you watch that process happen, it, it really looks like the butterfly is, is just in an amazing amount of struggle to get its way out. And if you actually just cut open the cocoon and just release the butterfly and prevent it from that struggle, then you ultimately have robbed that butterfly of its life because the when the butterfly is struggling to get out of the cocoon, the struggle that it's going to is it actually the process it needs to push the, the blood and the fluids and and into the wings to be able to use them once it actually gets out of the cocoon. And if it doesn't go through that struggle, if it doesn't have to really push its way out, then the wings are actually useless. And it ultimately will end up dying because it can't fly to get the food that it needs. And so human beings are very much like this where you know, we can provide that that empathy, we can provide that help, we can provide that advice, but we can't do it for them. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's kind of what people are trying to do when they try to help is they kind of step in and, and try to do everything for that person. And if you do that, that person really doesn't learn the lessons that they need to learn to actually make any kind of a modification or change in their life. So you really, you really got to let them struggle. You got to let them, ultimately, you got to let them fall down. You know, I talk about it from like the idea of babies. You know, when babies are learning how to walk, they fall down all the time. And every time they fall, they kind of learn a little bit more and they get back up and they walk again and then they fall and then they you know take a few more steps the next time and eventually after their trial and error you know getting some steps and then falling and doing it over and over and over again eventually they learn how to walk and how to not fall uh or at least not fall nearly as often right right and it's it's through the struggle it's through the pain that is where we learn the most and so you know, you really got to just kind of be willing to let let people fall a little bit. And, and inherently, that's kind of where a lot of our confidence comes from as well, is knowing that we can fall and be able to get back up and, and to continue. And that really is where confidence is. It's, it's not really in the the successes that we had, but it's more so in the failing, the falling, and being able to get back up. 
sure, you went through that experience, so you know that you can do it, and you know that you can get back on your feet. You know, when I'm when people ask me for help, you know, for like advice or counseling or something like that, uh, as I'm doing that uh, over a period of days, I will stop and check and see if. Uh, they really want to continue. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Because you can uh, just misjudge and and keep giving advice and this and that, you know, and getting invested into a person, getting right. so excited, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they moved on. They don't want to do it anymore. You know, they, they, they change their mind. They mm-hmm. are going back to their old habits, you know. So I'll trick and I'll say, is this still... Are, you still, are we still on the same page? Are you still going in this direction or what's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I do the exact same thing, um, you know, little check-ins and and uh, and because I don't want to invest right? my yeah. time in, yeah. into somebody that's uh, that's dis- moved on psychologically or mentally, you know, and they don't want to uh, pursue it anymore, you know. Right. But they are being nice because they were the ones to originally ask for help, you know. Yeah, and I find that doing those little check-ins are important because. Um, people are nice, just like you said. So there have been times where I get somebody that, you know, will, particularly in the martial arts field, where they they ask for, you know, maybe more private lessons and things because they really want to achieve, you know, something. And that idea changes over time, but then they're afraid to tell me that their their goals have changed, right? And they're like, well, I don't want to let that person down. And so they, they kind of continue half-heartedly because right, right. they don't want to disappoint me. And you're assuming and, that they're all in. Right. And so, yeah, those, giving those little check-ins, that's always a good point to give them that opportunity to be honest and to be able to let them know, hey, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed. Like, I'm giving you what you asked for. But if you don't want this anymore, then that's totally fine. Like, you know, no judgment on my part. And... Uh, you know that, and you know a lot of times that does help it to shift into better help as well. You know, I'll have somebody that that wants to be really good at competition. We start training, and then they realize they're not a big fan of competition. And but so then we check in, and it's like, oh well, I'd actually like to shift it more into this route, and it allows us to adapt and change and keep it going strong. Right, right, right. So yeah, that that piece is very important to check with people, make sure that you're all on the same page as uh, you continue the process. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, well, back in the studio with Kyle Galloway. His uh, website is successmartialarts.ninja, successmartialarts.ninja. And that's where you can find out more about him. And um, if you're in the Denver metro area, then you can uh, hook up with him and learn how to, you know, stretch and stuff. That's right. And eat a good diet and um, maybe learn a little martial arts stuff too. Yeah, no. come, come check us out if you're around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, you could be the new Bruce Lee, but you <laughs> have, to, you have yes. to start somewhere. That's right. Even Bruce Lee was a beginner at one point. He was. Um, uh, uh, he was a child actor, wasn't he, back in Hong Kong? Yeah, there was, um, yeah, he uh, acted as a child. 
Um, and kind of the, he was a, he was like a world, like at least a champion dancer of some sort before martial arts and, and things as well as, as more kid teenager. Um, and, uh, I'm probably getting a little bit of this wrong, but apparently, uh, when he really started training martial arts was because he was getting into a lot of street fights Mm. and, uh, and kind of causing some ruckuses in his neighborhood. And so, um, started, uh, started training martial arts more so to, uh, try to, try to calm that down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he kind of always was, uh, uh, he loved to fight, man. He loved to street fight and, uh, you know, he, he, he loved to throw down with some folks. Uh, at, at least in the movies, he was a type of a person who was always con- super confident. Yeah. That, yeah. that was his role in the movies, whatever. I mean, you know, the, the few movies that he made in the United States, uh, he's always the most confident person there on the, in that movie, in the storyline, whatever, you know. Yeah, and he that was kind of his mo in in life as well. Um, you know, he was very very confident as you know he would enter into new things and in he loved to dabble in as many things as possible, not just martial arts but fitness in all kinds of different ways. Um, you know, his dance background and I mean even in philosophy and things. You know, he he really was a very confident person in his abilities and. Um, you're, now you're talking about the real life too, not yeah, re- yeah, real life person, not just the actor, not just the actor, and uh, you know, there, everybody has you know points in in time when they doubt themselves, but uh, but yeah, no, he definitely was somebody that um, you know exuded a lot of confidence in everything that he did in his acting career, and even even the acting career was. One of those things that in that time in Hollywood, it was kind of like, yeah, you'll you'll never be a leading man because Hollywood doesn't really want like an Asian man to be the leading man. They they were looking more like for the Steve McQueens and the right, you know, right, 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 and right. you know, so it was um, even to be able to break in and have some leading roles in the in Hollywood it was um, was kind of a a uh, needed an exuberance of confidence. <laughs> So and some people are that way. They have developed their character and their life and their habits and their uh, abilities and their skills in a, such a way that uh, that their life is uh, all about confidence. Yeah. And we talked about this, you know, uh, on the last show when we talked about the diet and how every you know, how we are dumbed down here in this country by eating crappy diet and I Suggested that, that probably has an effect also on our uh, confidence and on our ability to, you know, see through crap, you know, that people throw at us, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. how gullible and how brain, uh, you know, of somebody who is not eating right and not exercising right is not working properly, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to be in that state of confidence, I think it takes um, an overall overall uh, comprehensive approach you know to your diet to your uh, to your exercise to your money management to your uh, career to your success in life you know yeah yeah one of the um one of the ideas behind this that uh so 
you know, um, in in like the biohacking world, people that are really diving in and, and using things like nutrition and exercise and supplementation and, and, you know, devices to just really amplify their biology to be the absolute best that it can be. Uh, there's a lot of engineer type people within this field. And so you get a lot of them that, that will take these concepts and liken it to like an engineering problem. And so one of the ways that they look at the human being uh, is that we have hardware and software just like a computer. So, you know, think about your smartphone. Your smartphone is very, very dumb without the apps, Right. Right. Like if you don't have the phone app, if you don't have the banking app, you don't have the messaging app, you don't have the email app, you don't have whatever other game app that you use on your phone, then map, you know, your maps. I mean, if you don't have those little apps on there, then your phone does nothing. Right. It just sits there. It's a brick. So the phone itself is the hardware it's the electronics the chips the battery the the you know the wires all of these things that allow the apps to work and the, the apps are the, the, the potential, the potential. yeah and uh, the apps are the software so you know our body is the body the mind the actual organic pieces that make us up that is our hardware and so you know like what you were what we talked about at the end of the last show that we did and what you were just kind of reiterating is you know when you're eating a bad diet or you're not sleeping right or you're not uh getting good movement in during the week then literally your biology is breaking down the hardware is breaking down and you know if we go back to the smartphone concept it doesn't matter how many apps you have on your phone if the hardware is broken, then the phone really doesn't do you any good, right? You know, if you crack your screen and 98% of the screen is just, you know, random colors and it's not actually showing you what's on there, then you can't even see what you're doing. If, you know, the battery fails, then the phone won't even turn on. If the, the microchips, um, you know, Burn out, then the phone doesn't operate. Sure, so. I found I found an iPhone once in uh, uh, in in the water, three feet of water in Florida on a beach, you know. Mm. And I pulled out, and it was in a mint condition. But sure enough, I never could get it to work. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I gave it to the you know to the to the <laughs> lifeguard over there, and I don't know what they did with it. But yeah, the analogy stands. Yeah, so something was broken in there that was beyond repair, and you couldn't use the, the software. And that was really what we were talking about at the end of the episode was upgrading the hardware, and you know, nutrition is one of the the best ways to really get that hardware back working uh, the way that it did, and possibly even upgrading the software or the hardware so that you know it's bigger, stronger, faster. And operates better, right? So one of the stories that I tell is, um, you know, when I first started to make this shift and really, um, I mean, I've been paying attention to, to Neutral. We got we to gotta break. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back. We, we get talking so much we forget about the break. That's right. That's right. It's 
good thing there's that ma- that music comes on, lets us know. <laughs> lets us know. Well, anyways, uh, back to your story. Yeah, so um, one of the stories that I tell, so I've, I've paid attention to nutrition since, you know, my early 20s. And uh, when in my early 20s, I kind of focused more on like the standard American diet. And then about 10 years ago was when I started look like finding and, and attempting the more um, what were kind of fringe types of diets at that time, you know, more keto diets and, and cyclical ketosis and carnivore and different things of this nature, um, you know, and at the very beginning of that, before I made this transition, uh, again, it wasn't a, you know, full-on sanctioned IQ test. Um, it was a pretty reputable one online. And I did the IQ test before I made all these switches and, you know, got my score and, you know, felt pretty good about it. I was like, all right, that's cool. And just something I found interesting. And then after I made the switch and and it was uh, now like, we're we're talking several months, right? Uh, this was probably a, uh, I would say probably a couple of years after I wow. made the change. Okay. Um, I I definitely noticed big changes in how uh, my memory was working, and my critical thinking, and I mean even how fast I could do math problems in my head. I mean, you know, there was this huge change within a few months. But a couple of years after I made that change and talking about my brain working better and the brain fog being gone and just, you know, being able to think clearer, uh, I got the idea of retaking that IQ test. And so I I tried to do it as as scientifically as possible, which really just means that I, I searched out the exact same IQ test that I had taken before. So it wasn't the same questions and and you know things, but it was the, the similar, same similar style, same website, right? And um, so I took the test again, and my IQ score had gone up by fifteen points ish, right? And I mean that's huge, significant on an IQ test. And if you follow or kind of adhere to the standard thinking about IQ is that it doesn't really grow no matter what you do, that it doesn't really drop and it doesn't really go higher, that, you know, kind of whatever your IQ is, that it's this set thing. And I found that really interesting that, and I mean, 15 points is huge on an IQ test. And so... And you attribute it strictly to the diet. Yeah. I mean, you know, technically I, you know, was a couple of years older. So you'd think that age would would be a decreasing factor on your IQ. So uh, really the only thing that I could, you know, equate it to is the changes that I had made in my life. And one of the biggest changes was nutrition. I still worked out and trained the same way that I did before, Um you know, little modifications and things like that. But as far as it goes, you know, it wasn't like I was training more than I was before or less. So my exercise uh, routine was the same. I was paying a little more attention to sleep and trying to make sure that I was, uh, you know, getting the adequate amount of sleep as well as good quality sleep. So, you know, between the sleep and the nutrition are really the only major factors that changed in my life that could have equated to my IQ score going up like that. Now, again, it wasn't a sanctioned IQ test, and but, you know, it definitely was. Um, and my wife had 
had taken the IQ test around the same time I did. Usually, if if one of us does a test like that, the other one does. Whether it's like a personality test or, you know, we're we're really curious about learning, um, you know, about our MBTI or the right, Myers right, Briggs, right. Um, you know, personality tests and little little things like that, right? So I had taken the IQ test uh, before all the changes, and so she was curious too. So she took it. And then after I did mine and it had jumped that 15 points, I was just curious. So I, I, you know, she took the same one I did. So I loaded it up and I had her take it again. And, and again, a couple of years later and her IQ, uh, score had, had jumped like 10 or 12 points or 15 points, something like it was about the same jump as mine. And it was really intriguing. And when we did it that way, so, you know, it, it really is just a demonstration that, you know, by focusing on that nutrition and, and you know, and sleep and exercise that it really well, the, does the, help the hardware out. The right food. Yeah. The, the right food, food can, uh, can have a huge effect, I believe, and not just on the IQ, but we, uh, you know, I was talking more about your emotional life and your yeah. sense of peace and your sense of confidence and your sense of hope. Right. You know, and your sense of, you know, not having to be depressed all the time, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I you, I do tell that IQ story as an illustration of that concept and only because IQ is, is easily measured by something like an IQ test. Um, you know, your your level of hope and your level of, of you know, um, depression and, and emotional intelligence and things of this nature Your are mood. less, uh, much, much harder to quantify. Right, 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 right. right, right. Um, but I 100% agree with that. I believe, you know, your emotional state becomes a lot more uh, manageable, um, you know, from, from multiple standpoints that, you know, you're able to kind of work on it from a software kind of perspective that's more like your mindset and like your ability to you know kind of uh let not catastrophize as much but also from a hardware standpoint when you're eating the right kind of food your body is able to produce the hormones like they're supposed to or the neurotransmitters at the right level versus if you're eating a bunch of junk food uh, you're probably producing less serotonin, less dopamine, and less hormones, and the ones that you are producing are going to be uh, inferior to what they actually could be. And so, you know, that's the hardware perspective of, of higher emotional intelligence and, and the biological aspect of hope and uh, happiness, right? If I said to you that uh, I think my personal opinion is that between the government and the big industry, uh, what we eat is designed to make us stupider and dumber yeah. and more <laughs> easily controlled and manipulated. Would you see that as a conspiracy theory or would you think there is something to it? No, actually, I've had that kind of same conversation. I've made that same statement to people. Um, is a sick population is much more docile and easier to control. So I, I definitely do feel like there is a piece of that. Um, we know they do it in prisons all over the world. They do yeah. it in uh, militaries all over the world. They pump people, you know, they put stuff in people's food and water, you know, to keep them more manageable. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it 
Absolutely true. And if if you are just you, not the population, but if you are feeling sick all the time, if you feel like your energy is down, you barely have enough energy to get through your day, uh, then you don't have time to think about uprising and rebelling against the government <laughs> and, you know... Complaining um, about some... Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you ultimately are, are so downtrodden with the problems in your own life that you really don't have enough time to, or energy, to focus on anything else, right? Well, I, I think that between food that we eat and that we buy, that is that is prepared for us and grown for us and sold to us, between that and the uh, entertainment that also is prepared for us and sold to us, I think between those two things, uh, American public is basically walking around with their head down, looking at the floor and not seeing anything else around them, you know, like totally yeah. oblivious to the to the planet, to the world, to other, you know, to, the, to other realities. That's yeah. the sense I'm getting. It's like, you know... Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that and you know in then your your uh your your view of the world is completely um formed by whatever media source you you pay attention to. Exactly. Right? And you know, if you listen to one media source then they only have time to give you little bite-sized pieces of what's actually happening in your area in your country and in your world and so when uh, those little bite-sized pieces come it you know you feel like you're getting the entire story when reality you're getting maybe one percent right, right and so you know you're you're completely swayed and controlled by that one entity and all the important stuff is being withheld right it's not being presented exactly it's not being talked about yeah okay uh, we're going to take a break here in a second and come back and continue with this idea of confidence. I want to ask you in the next segment to give us your definition of confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we are going to be right back after this short break. Okay, Kyle is in the house. We were talking about different things, but I think somebody who is listening to the whole conversation will see some sense in all of this. Hopefully, or just call us crackpots, you know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, everything, there is truth in everything, right? right. <laughs> we are, probably are to, a, to some degree that too, you know. I, yeah. You can't be all perfect. It's true, you know. It's true. What do you think is a good definition of confidence? To me, confidence is uh, really what I said at the very beginning, that it's it's when you know that you can get knocked down, you try something new and you fumble a little bit, that it's not going to break you, it's not going to kill you, that it's something that, you know, you you get up, you put in some effort, you learn, you grow, and then you do better. And you repeat that process of try, 
fail, learn, grow, right? And as you do that more and more and more, and you follow that process, then you eventually gain a a big confidence that you can go through that process and ultimately that you're not going to die, right? Now, most of us, when we think about failure, we don't, in our conscious brain, think that failing will actually kill us. But in our subconscious brain, there is very much a fear of almost a like, I'm going to die like fear if I fail at this. So it's better to not try. And so ultimately, that really is what confidence is, is it's just that process of effort, failure, learn, and grow. It's, a, it's really about um, leaning on yourself, depending on yourself, believing in yourself. Yeah. Not needing somebody, always somebody to hold your hand. Exactly. You know, it, not always needing advice for everything, you know, because mm-hmm. you are confident enough to where you can say, well, you know what, I, I can handle this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right? And then that's really what it is, is, um, you know, I, I absolutely agree that it's just a, a belief in yourself, a belief that you can work through the problem and that you can ask for advice when you need it, but it's not that you need somebody to do it for you all the time, right? And you and you also know that if you can't get the advice, that's fine because I'm going to think it through and work it out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to figure it out on my own. And And that's really what I look at it when I get advice from somebody is I don't necessarily want to just, uh, just absorb and do exactly what they say. I want to get their opinion. And then I want to check their opinion against my own paradigm, my own beliefs, my own history, my own knowledge of of what has worked for me. And so I might not just take your advice completely 100%, but your advice may give me a little better perspective on what I need to do and what decision I need to make, right? Right. A confident person will evaluate whatever it is that somebody else is offering. Absolutely. And they're not always going to take it. No. You know, sometimes they'll reject it because they just have the confidence to do that. Exactly. Right? A a confident person typically does not have just straight blind faith. Right? That, you know, that they just listen, you know, uh, be told something by an entity or a person and just accept it 100% and not question it. Right. And they don't want to just... um, farm out their problems to somebody else. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, this guy has a phenomenal idea on how to solve my problem. So I'm going to let, I'm going to take his advice, but then if it fails, I'm going to blame him. Right, exactly. A confident person is like, no, this is going to be my decision. Yeah. I, I'll listen, but I'm going to make the final decision. Right. Because I'm not looking for a savior. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. And I think a lot of people nowadays are looking for a savior. I mean, yeah. in any, in all of these areas, you know, whether it's in the movies or politics or, you know, religion or whatever, everybody's looking for that new voice that's going to tell us how things are. Right. And yeah. And I, I feel like there's a level of self-protection that comes with that as well, kind of like you said, where... It's like I'm going to accept your advice 100% so that that way 
if it doesn't work, it's not my fault. Because I've put my faith into you. Yeah, exactly. I've put my total faith into yeah. you, and I'm not making the decision. Yeah, I'm this, just I doing did, what you told right? me. And, uh, and you hear that from people, right, is uh, when, when something doesn't work and they, they turn and point the finger at somebody else and they're like, well, you know, literally, I did what you told me and it didn't work, so it's your fault. I did exactly what Warren Buffett is doing, and look, right. I'm losing money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that that really, to me, being confident is, you know, a lot of people think of confidence as, like, you never question yourself, you never doubt yourself, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Somebody that is confident, you know, they probably question themselves fairly often, and they definitely are going to go through periods of self-doubt and, you know, questioning if they can do what they've set out to do. But in the end, they will still the have end, the arrogance to go and do it. You know, uh, it definitely, right? And uh, But they also understand that they by questioning yourself and questioning your tactics is ultimately uh, how you do end up succeeding because, you know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So, you know, generally, if you start out trying to do something new, the, the, you know, the theory that you have right off of the bat of like, I'm going to go at this approach and this is, I think this is going to work. Well, most of the time you realize that, that that's not a hundred percent how you're going to succeed. You know, you might've, might have been right in a couple of couple of pieces, but you got to adapt in some of the other ones. So right, right. if you just stick to the same exact game plan as what you started with, you're banging your head against the wall, and you know you're not making any changes that, to actually succeed. That's where the confidence comes in. Too. Is to change to to make adaptations and modifications. Kyle, thank you, folks. By the way, a good book that I came across: uh, Atomic Habits. Oh yeah, that's a good. Book. I don't know if you heard of yeah. it or not, but if you are Interesting, making changes in your life. Check it out on Amazon, Atomic Habits. I'm not getting any money from this, but just passing it on. Anyways, have a good week. God bless. Bye-bye. Be sure to tune in next time for another unique perspective on your whole person health with your host, Dr. G. And don't forget to share the goodness with friends and family and visit our website at fitpositiveconfident.tv. And follow Dr. G on Twitter at Dr. G Fitness. God bless and stay healthy.